0: Cancer Advances, a Cleveland Clinic podcast for medical professionals, exploring the latest innovative research and clinical advances in the field of oncology. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Cancer Advances. I'm your host, Dr. Dale Shepard, a medical oncologist here at Cleveland Clinic, directing the Tosig Early Cancer Therapeutics Program and co-directing the Cleveland Clinic Sarcoma Program. Today, I'm happy to be joined by Dr. Tatiana Baizova, a staff member in the Neurosciences Program in the Learner Research Institute at Cleveland Clinic. She's here today to talk to us about decreasing thrombosis in patients with cancer. So welcome.
1: All right. Thank you. Pleasure to be here.
0: So maybe to start, give us a little idea of what your role is here at Cleveland Clinic.
1: Yeah, I became a staff member at CCF in 2000. And I used to be in the Department of Molecular Cardiology. Now I moved to Department of Neuroscience. And for a number of years, my main focus is on the biology and the various pathologies
0: of blood vessels. Excellent. And we're going to sort of tap into that. And we're going to talk about tumors and platelets and thrombosis. Right. So very good. So Maybe to start with, um, maybe you can give us a little bit of an idea of, of how important is thrombosis when we think about cancer.
1: Right. For cancer patients, it's uh, the risk of thrombosis is exceptionally high. So in fact, it's estimated that uh, cancer patients have uh, up to five times more likely to experience thrombosis. Uh, and this uh, percentage increases dramatically in elderly patients and patients with uh, existing cardiovascular complications. So moreover, a lot of uh, recent clinical research shows that occurrence of thrombosis is associated with uh, much poorer prognosis and shorter survival in a number of cancers, right? So the complications of cancer thrombosis might might be very severe, such as pulmonary embolism, um, deep vein thrombosis, Uh, stroke, and venous uh, thromboembolism. Uh, Moreover, thrombotic complications in cancer might impact on the treatment. Well, blood clots, known to interfere with delivery of chemotherapeutic drugs to the tumor site and reduce the effectiveness, and they might also um, hinder surgical um, procedures or radiation therapy by uh, changing, affecting blood uh, flow and increasing the risk of complications. So it's also like uh, always known to be associated with uh, poor high risk of disease progression and poor outcomes, as I already mentioned. And last but not least, thrombosis might uh, present a lot of diagnostic challenges. So symptoms of blood clots, um, such as pain, swelling, redness, uh, may be attributed to the cancer, and it also might lead to um,
0: delayed diagnosis. And so when you talk about the impact of thrombosis on Prognosis. I guess that could be people that have a, a PE, for instance, very early on, and it's the thrombosis itself, but also about delivery of care.
1: Right, right. So, you know, in fact, like historically, um, multiple uh, incidents of thrombosis were um, shown to be diagnostics, you know, very often that thrombosis presents itself faster than the tumor itself. Right. Uh, so that's, it's kind of like, um, uh, known to be a fact for a number of um, cancer.
0: Excellent. So somebody gets a, a cancer associated thrombosis. Uh, we have a lot of different people, different different backgrounds might be listening. What what are the current therapies? How do we treat that currently?
1: Right. Currently, one of the most popular it's anticoagulant therapy, right? Uh, that considered to be mainstream of treatment for cancer thrombosis. Um, so they pretty much prevent formation of new blood clots, reduce the risk of existing clots. And most commonly used are low-molecular weight heparin, such as anoxaparin, vitamin K uh, antagonists such as warfarin. Um, also, you know, uh, direct oral anticoagulants have been in use, such as uh, rivaroxaban river, and others, right? So they're kind of alternative to low-molecular weight heparin. Yeah, and they are shown to be relatively uh, effective in uh, certain, in some
0: cancer patients. So you know, this is it has a huge impact on patients. What are the, some of the downfalls of a current therapies?
1: Since. Uh, all of these drugs, all known antithrombotic drugs, they uh, target pathways that are involved uh, in thrombosis, but also in normal hemostasis. And what we might anticipate in, in, is increased um, incidence of bleeding episodes in these patients, which also has a lot of complications.
0: So tell us a little bit about that, that that balance between we want to not form clots and we want to not have bleeding. So right. tell us a little bit right. about that.
1: I mean, number of cancer treatments, um, they increase uh, risk of bleeding. It's not limited to surgery or any invasive procedures, but a lot of uh, tyrosine kinase inhibitors, they can uh, shift this balance between um, ability to form clots and, and excessive bleeding. And in many situations, it's really crucial to make sure that the patient's hemostatic function is intact to prevent excessive bleeding and complications. And, you know, one of the probably best examples is that normal hemostasis is particularly important for stroke prevention
0: and management. All right. Tell us a little bit about what you've been working on in terms of cancer and thrombosis.
1: Right. Um, For years, my lab been interested in um, uh, cancer and thrombosis in general, and on uh, interested in the mechanism of tumor communication with various organs, which would include pre-metastatic and metastatic communications. Um, and several years ago, we published a manuscript that's showing that metastatic cancers are able to affect their future metastatic niche, such as bone, right? So we... Also demonstrated that this particular communication mediated by platelets. If you deplete platelets, there is no changes in, in the bone, and also decreases this, um, uh, incidence of metastasis. So we, um, you know, applied to NIH. We got a substantial funding for this project from NIH and American Heart. And so we wanted to answer a simple question: How exactly platelets become tumor-educated messages, right? And so this was not completely unknown. So, in a recent study that we just published in Circulation Research, we showed that aggressive tumors, that release small extracellular vesicles, uh, which in turn can be engulfed by platelets, right? This uptake leads to accumulation of cancer-specific markers, first of all, which, you know, actually creates an opportunity, window of opportunity of using platelets as a cancer for prognostic uh, purposes, right? And also, this uh, small extracellular vesicle from cancer, they change... Um, sort of reprogram platelets so platelets become hyperreactive
0: so essentially tumors release these vesicles platelets interact with the vesicles and then yeah, they're more they likely take them, to cause they engulf
1: them yeah. by a mechanism and we um delineated complete mechanism for this process so how are these vesicles are getting into the platelets
0: and, and what exactly these vesicles are these um what, what's in? Is there something in the vesicles? Or yeah, tell, so, tell us a little so bit about the small vesicles. vesicles
1: it's like like cell um, solar fragments. They have a membrane, and inside of them, they have proteins and they have RNAs and a number of modulators that can change the machinery of um, other cells, right? So that's how pretty much tumors are able to reprogram other cells just by sending these particular vesicles, right? So as a result, so first of all. There are a lot of fragments of RNA specific for cancer, which we are able to detect in these vesicles and also in platelets. And we actually have done this for this particular study using blood from patients with prostate cancer prior and after radical prostatectomy. So we can see the markers of prostate cancer in platelets and in vesicles in patients before but not after.
0: Interesting. And so when we think about having a tumor, and you mentioned about metastases, If you think about having a tumor, sometimes we think about metastases forming by cells going through the lymphatics, but also through blood. And so these platelet and vesicles, is that part of the mechanism by which the cells become metastatic?
1: Well, yes. Platelets are known actually to surround tumor cells and protect them from other immune cells. And they're also known to assist um, cells infiltrating uh, through the vascular wall. So the platelets themselves can kind of assist metastasis. Um, But probably the biggest problem is that these platelets became hyperreactive. So in any, in which results in high incidence and higher risk of thrombosis.
0: Is there any sort of feedback? So a lot of our, you mentioned previously, like anticoagulants, uh, they stop the, the sort of activation and growth of clots. Is there any sort of feedback on release of the vesicles, or no?
1: Not that I know of, but there is a feedback on the original growth of, ca- of tumor. Gotcha. So the uh, you know the blockade of platelets has overall anti-tumor, tumorogenic effect, and actually, so it uh, it helps and uh, the number of therapies become more efficient. For instance, like tyrosine
0: kinase inhibitors are more efficient if we take taking care of platelet component. Interesting. So are there mechanisms that we can can use to treat thrombosis or the risk of thrombosis based on these vesicles?
1: Yeah, so what really important is just to understand like platelets, they um, become activated, right? And there are now a number of um, pathways of platelet activation and then been explored uh, as a target for cardiovascular disease. You know, we know quite a few of them. And they also been explored for a number of other diseases. However, all of them, the target known pathways. And if the target known pathways, those are the same pathway that would mediate normal hemostasis. So it's important to find new cancer specific pathway. And that's exactly what we did. So we showed that these um, small vesicles released by tumors, they bind to platelets, so very small vesicle protein CD63 and receptor on the platelets. As a result, the vesicles get in and able to reprogram platelets, making them um, hyperactive, susceptible for clotting. And this is a completely new pathway. We, in fact, we delineated the entire pathway leading to platelet Aggregation and its new pathway. So if you target any member or any stage of this pathway, we'll target something new that is not involved in hemostasis. And the most efficient way that we thought is just to prevent the interaction with the small vesicles. So we developed uh, a panel of our own antibodies. We also used existing antibodies against CD63 that would block this small vesicles, right? So we we'll prevent the entrance to platelets and prevent platelet hyperreactivity and prevent thrombosis. And probably most important component of our work is that we showed that normal hemostasis remains absolutely intact. It's only tumor-induced hyperactivity
0: goes away. So because you're when targeting we treat,
1: that? Targeting only cancer component.
0: So that's CD63. CD63, component. yes doesn't impact normal thrombosis. It does not. Gotcha. So in
1: fact, it's a very safe target. There are known knockouts of this molecule and they don't have very dramatic phenotypes. So it's only specific for cancer.
0: And do we have antibodies against yes. CD63 yes. That, are, that can be yes. brought into the clinic? Yes,
1: yes. We're actually patenting, you know, we uh, submit disclosure and patent together with our innovations on the use of anti-CD63 antibodies to prevent um, exosome intake by platelets and also we actually developing an entire new line of antibodies against exosomes that would be blocking for a number of um, implications you know first of all cancer
0: are there any any ways to um inhibit the release of the vesicles or Mostly at this point, the work is focused on kind of how how to manage the release. It's very
1: difficult to to do uh, to manage uh, uh, release. So the release of vesicles correlates with aggressiveness of tumor. And very often, you know, even small tumors that are highly metastatic would release tons of these vesicles before we even know there is a tumor in, in particular patient. So up to this point, it's very hard to do. So and those small vesicles, they're not hundred percent like typical for tumors. They are also released by other cells in case of distress or dysfunction, in pathological situations. Um, for instance, they kind of like. Signs of distress, but also propagators of distress. So, for instance, one of the thrombotic complications, COVID, in COVID, it's most likely, you know, mediated by these small vesicles, and we believe that antibodies. If we can trap these vesicles, we also can prevent thrombotic complications So COVID and, and sepsis. Very good.
0: When we think about you, you've mentioned a couple times about aggressiveness of tumors. Is this, and I guess just to clarify that, we know that thrombosis is much more common in some kinds of cancer like kidney cancer or glioblastomas and things like that is it more histology-based, or is it, when you say aggressiveness, is that kind of any tumor that's actively growing, or are there some subtypes that are more likely? Yeah, so
1: actively growing tumor and a tumor that is prone to metastasis. You know, those tumors, like high metastatic tumors, they release substantially more of these particles, and the content of these particles, uh, small um, vesicles, might be different. So we kind of like intend on catching them all before they get into um, other cells, to platelets. But another good side effect is if we catch the small vesicles, they also can um, affect bone marrow cells, so they can also work on pre niche. So we're hoping that by blocking them, uh, these messengers, uh, we can
0: stop a number of events. And so one might imagine that if these vesicles have an impact not only on ability to develop metastatic disease but also thrombosis do you do you see there might be a role where somebody's diagnosed with cancer and as part of their anti-cancer therapy they're sort of preventatively given oh yes um, yeah
1: i mean you know a number of cancer i think it's going to be a must. so moreover it's known that Giving antithrombotic drugs actually increases uh, efficiency of any treatments like um, chemotherapy, radiation treatment. So, it's actually become very common for prostate cancers, for instance, to give antithrombotic drugs. So, this particular drug is safe, you know, which is really, it makes a lot of difference for glioblastoma, for a number of cancers, right? So, we don't want to have bleeding in patients with glioblastoma. And this also should be extremely efficient in uh, patients on tyrosine kinase inhibitors because they actually have a lot of thrombotic complications due to the drug.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's a up. lot of VEGF yeah. interactions, yeah. things like that.
1: So we, we kind of like believe that this should be used, you know, those are antibodies that will be humanized as a small fragments. They're very safe, very specific. And um, the field and the number of fields of using like small fragments of antibodies seem to be, you know, growing, you know, despite
0: the presence of other
1: like uh, small compounds, small molecules.
0: So how, how far away are we in terms of Clinical trial development, clinical, you know, clinical uh, use of right. these.
1: Right, So we, we uh, just got the sequence of these antibodies, which is really like interesting. So we we know antigen. So we made sure that the small fragments are operational work very nicely. We don't need to use the entire antibody. We use only Fab fragments, and we need to humanize it, go through safety. So we're ready.
0: Excellent. Is this all being developed here at the clinic, or are we working with other...
1: Not yet, but it's uh, in progress with our uh, innovations uh, department, and so they're helping quite a bit in terms of patenting and spreading this technology. But eventually, we probably will need um, uh, strong uh, pharmaceutical companies that would
0: you know, share this load of work. Yeah, fantastic. What do you think are going to be the, the largest barriers to bringing this sort of... Uh, To clinical use.
1: Well, the partnership with pharmaceutical companies. uh, Most likely how this will uh, develop. And, uh, you know, I believe that these drugs are very efficient and most likely will, uh, you know, will take off um, relatively fast for different types of pathologies. But I I think safety, FDA approvals, that's probably, you know, the biggest problems.
0: Yeah, No, that's great because oftentimes... You know, clinically, we think about uh, we thrombosis ends up being something that's more of a reactionary treatment. You know, we're treating patients; they develop a clot, we do something about it. So, this is kind of a totally different way to think about how to manage. So, right, it's right,
1: and it will also change uh, efficacy of existing therapies.
0: Right, and, and and as you stated, I mean the the mortality and morbidity of clots is not insignificant. So, right. That's great. Right.
1: Well, in fact, there are several uh, cancers, some of them you mentioned, that the main uh, cause of death is not metastasis, not the growth of cancer, but thrombosis.
0: Well, you're, uh, you're doing great work, and you've given us some good insight, and we'll look forward to keeping track of this uh, technology and this way to manage, and, and we're hoping for good things here. Thanks for being with us. Pleasure. To make a direct online referral to our TOSA Cancer Institute, Complete our online cancer patient referral form by visiting clevelandclinic.org slash cancerpatientreferrals. You will receive confirmation once the appointment is scheduled. This concludes this episode of Cancer Advances. You will find additional podcast episodes on our website, clevelandclinic.org slash canceradvancespodcast. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to podcasts.